Hello and welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program providing a gender analysis of contemporary issues from Australia and internationally. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's program, we bring you some coverage of the 2017 Indigenous and Grassroots Movements Solidarity Gathering. The conference was held in Melbourne, Australia over the weekend of 7 and 8 October and was hosted by the Latin American Solidarity Network. The two keynote speakers featured on today's program are Christy Lee Horswood from the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. She's also a member of the Gamalare Nation. The second speaker is Catalina Catrillo. She's a Mapuche activist and sister of Matias Catrillo, the 22-year-old Mapuche warrior who was murdered by the Chilean police in 2008. We're going to start with Christy Lee Horswood's address to the conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yamaru, hello, in uh, Nation. Uh, covers a little bit of territory from the bottom of Queensland and extends into northern New South Wales. I was born in 1980 and am a part of the Stolen Generations. was taken from birth and made a ward of the state and then adopted out. So it's been a, it's been a long road uh, coming, uh, coming back into culture and the resistance is a pretty long road, especially the revival aspects and the recuperation and rediscovery after colonial byproducts that are just interweaving so casually into our society. So in terms of my affiliations, Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance uh, has chapters in both Nam and Minjin. Minjin is uh, Brisbane and that's where I'm from. So uh, we also have the Brisbane Aboriginal Sovereign Embassy up there which we will play host to um, Mapuche delegation travelling from Mapuche lands to, to our country in 2019. So in, in terms of our, our tenements, uh, our foundation principles, uh, those are resisting, reviving and decolonising. And um, decolonisation theory, I think, should, should be woven into as many aspects of life as you can fit it in there, and it does fit. Especially, especially for mental health, uh, being being a First Nations woman uh, and realizing how how much of my own uh, you know negative psych is actually born of of colonization and its byproducts. So if we're talking about resisting and reviving, then we also must must talk about our personal health within the grand scheme of things as well. Because if if we aren't on top of our decolonisation game, then our contribution to the struggle as a whole becomes impacted. So uh, in terms of our, our tenements and how we apply them to the struggle, we have heavy emphasis on language revival. I mentioned to Annie from 3CR, who had to duck out earlier, there's a, a member of our collective, Callum, who is single-handedly basically responsible for the revival of the Anawan language in, in Armadale. So he's now teaching and running community classes for other Anawan people to learn the language because if you are not familiar with colonisation and its, its actions against Aboriginal people, language was literally taken away as were children, as was land. So if we want to talk about how uh, governments contribute to the displacement of people on this, in this context on this continent uh, that has been happening and continues to happen since invasion. Just last week, 
I was giving my voice to a, a documentary about the Warrigal Creek Massacre of the Gunai Kurnai people in East Gippsland. And I returned home and looked at my Facebook feed and saw two of my, my countrymen and women thrown to the ground in Alice Springs by police. And, you know, forgive me if I don't see too much difference between one and the other. So the fact that the systemic interaction, police brutality is something that is, is a day-to-day -day occurrence. And in terms of my exposure to the Mapuche uh, struggle, I'm, I met similar, their similar circumstances. Police brutality, heavy interaction, repression, observation, you know, counterintelligence, things like that. You know, we've had to, you know, up our game incredibly in terms of our own security culture because to not accept that counterinsurgency is a reality in this resistance context is foolish. And also, in terms of cosmovision, cosmovision um, for us mob here isn't a word that we that we use, but we do have the equivalent. We have the dreaming. So uh, for Mapuche, cosmology and cosmovision is the, their view of themselves and the universe as they interrelate with one another. And it's exactly the same principle, our way. We believe that we came from the land and we will return to it. And therefore it is our responsibility as traditional custodians to ensure the longevity of, of Mother Earth or Pachimama, as uh, Ugo, and another delegate uh, from Peru who was part of the, the trip, refers to Mother Earth as, which I love. Yeah, I was amazed actually at the, the similarities um, between our people. There are slightly, slightly different uh, gender, if you will, associations with. Yeah, with dreaming figures and things like that. For example, when I said Buja in, uh, in the acknowledgement to country, Buja translates in Gamilaray as father. So the creator spirit, we would call father. However, it's a slightly different Mapuche. Yeah, mother, yes? See. So very, very small differences, but, but the, uh, the ethos is exactly the same in terms of responsibility. Um, so war was very, very privileged and honoured to be a part of the exchange. It was an incredible time for us uh, in terms of mutual relationship building, respect building, uh, the strengthening of global indigenous resistance. It was, it was invaluable. And I think it was interesting on, on the flip side to hear about how we face our struggle in this Western context. We are a democracy. Um, democracy, I say corporatocracy, because if democracy was the case, then we would have no equality, and that's not the case. So I was admittedly uh, sort of envious of, of the ability to, to recuperate and claim because of existing treaty documents and things like that, because the Mapuche successfully defended themselves against the Spanish, uh, whereas we did not have that same fate when it came to the British. So our colonization period is roughly around 236 years, I think. I might be one year off. Whereas in the Turtle Island context and the Latin American context, you're talking about 500 plus years of colonization. So in terms of the resistance, we are babies, essentially. We're the oldest culture in the world. But we are the young ones when it, when it comes to facing colonization and, and creating uh, inroads to our restoration and recuperation. 
So it was it was really interesting to explain, like, because naturally all the people we met there were so curious, like, what what happened and where are you now? Do you have do you occupy your homelands and and to talk of colonization as it occurred here uh, was was very different. It was a different experience um, for us to First Nations mob. Um, so Turtle Island and, and so-called Australia had the missions and the reservations and you know the, the broken links in the familial chain and the removal of language and things like that, which uh, you know is incredible odds to try and to try and turn the tide on. But I'm I'm optimistic considering we are 230 odd years into it, and if I can see a, a culture who is uh, 500 years into the history concerning colonization and recuperation is occurring. Yes, repression and oppression increases naturally with success. Unfortunately, those are the stakes. So if we have success in terms of uh, more community harmony or uh, say, like in, in Nam for Invasion Day, there were thousands upon thousands of people, all allies that showed up to support what is a day of mourning and we we were so touched and I think as a direct result of that you can you can expect systemic interact interaction repression and oppression to increase you know it, it goes without saying if you're in the struggle then you're you're directly associated with that kind of systemic interaction uh, negatively so oh in terms of um, the neoliberal extractivist policies that you know are, are similar between our two continents, with Gamilaray in particular, we uh, we toured toured country to see you know what what was going on because we had heard that there was a major divestment occurring with one of the mining conglomerates on country, Whitehaven Coal. Uh, now Whitehaven had the entire country of Norway's superannuation fund invested into it. Right? That's an entire country's superannuation fund. You can imagine what that would be like in terms of the money. So when you, when you think about who, who you are up against and how well resourced you know, these conglomerates are in terms of, in terms of the, the sheer amount of money behind them, that's what you're talking about. A country's economy invested into extractivist policies on, on a land that is not even connected to them. Since, since 2000 and, when was it? I think they divested in 2015, which was a really positive thing. However, there are still three, if I'm correct, Bogabri, Santos, and there's someone else that I'm forgetting. But the, the mining exploitation <laughs> of, of that country, of my country, is, is just it's so extreme. And as, as that has happened, we have lost a significant number of sacred sites. Our women, our elderly women, returned to what we, we know as a burial ground to find it covered in barbed wire. There's, there's, no, there's no other culture on earth, and I, I use culture very loosely, but for the settler society to, th to think that that is appropriate, there is, there is no other society I know of that would deem that kind of treatment of, of people's remains as appropriate. It, it's really heavy. So, I mean, that's, that's what we're up against, and I think our, our, 
the way we fortify ourselves in terms of the, the uh, enormous impact that these neoliberal policies can have is going back to resisting, reviving and decolonising and making sure that uh, you return to those points to, as a way of self-care, I suppose, uh, because the, the struggle is hard. Anyone who is, who is in it knows how exhausting it is, um, and it doesn't stop. So I was talking to a, a sister from Turtle Island, and we've started to talk about the struggle having within it continuous grief. So. There are deaths in custody quite regularly. Just recently, I must pay my respects to the Chatfield family who have lost their son, Tani, in an absolute criminal act. Uh, and when you see these things happening on the regular, you've, you've barely finished coming to terms with the, the last incident, the last murder, before, before another one occurs. And if you also want to take into consideration land trauma, then we are most definitely in a state of continuous grief. Because I think, you know, and I, I can speak about reconciliation and recognise later on on other panels, but we cannot have reconciliation in this country without conciliation first. And that's acknowledging the history of this country and, and actually having it taught in schools and having some of these memorials to slave traders like up in Townsville taken down have, have, the, have the correct history told. Maybe that's an extreme uh, standpoint, but to have, to be an Aboriginal person and to walk under a statue like that, it's, it's pretty intense. So I, I'd say they probably belong in a museum, to be honest, you know? Take all of our shields, all of our spears out there and put those monuments in there. That's the way I feel about it. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. Today's program features two keynote addresses from the 2017 Indigenous and Grassroots Movement Solidarity Gathering, held in Melbourne, Australia, over the weekend of 7 and 8 October. You just heard from Christy Lee Horswood from the activist group Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. Next up is Catalina Catreo, a Mapuche activist and sister of Matias Catreo, the 22-year-old Mapuche warrior who was murdered by the Chilean police in 2008. Catalina speaks some English, but mostly her speech is being translated here by Latin American solidarity activist Maria Delora. The sound quality of this next speech is a little variable, owing to the acoustics at the conference and some logistics with microphones and translations. In this panel, I try to explain you uh, quiénes somos. I want to tell you who we are. Uh, we are. Um, how uh, Mapuche people, uh, what, uh, what is uh, our cosmovision? And um, what is uh, our history? In general, the uh, original people is the similar. Uh, we have uh, colonization. In Latin America is uh, the Spanish colonization. Yeah, maybe five, 500 years ago. We as Mapuche people live in freedom and autonomy for many years. As you mentioned before, we have a long history of defending our land from invaders and, and different people coming to try and take it. History shows us that the very first people that were there on that land were the Mapuche people. 
Then the Incas came. They wanted to colonize us and take away our freedom. But our ancestors resisted that colonization. Then the Spanish came. They annihilated and massacred Latin American indigenous people and taking out all the gold and other wealth that was in the earth. So but when they reached the, where the Mapuche people were living, uh, our ancestors managed to come to an agreement. Uh, they came to they lost a lot of land and they lost people in the Arauco War, many people. But we managed to retain our sovereignty and a large area of land. When the nation states were set up in Latin America, the ones that are now in place, the, our Mapuche people had territorial and political independence. And in 1883, when the so-called badly named pacification of the Arauco area was carried out. We, at that point, we did lose a lot of land. I don't want to call it a war because it was totally unequal um, or a genocide. So the Chilean state took over and put aside all the treaties that had in the past been signed. Killing a lot of young people, Mapuche people, burning houses, stealing homes and stealing animals. And after that massacre and genocide, we ended up with 10% of our ancestral lands, and much poorer, of course. And of course, we were very damaged and very exhausted because this conflict lasted 20 years. Th those are our ancestors who were left alive, started to fight to maintain our cosmovision and our culture. And that was very difficult in, because very similar things happened to what uh, Christy uh, described. When the children were small, they had to go to Chilean schools. They just wouldn't let them speak our language. They weren't allowed to believe in our spirituality or our gods. And they forced us to be Chileans. And Argentinians in the case of Argentina. Because uh, Mapuche land covers parts of Chile and parts of Argentina. As I told you, our ancestors resisted and tried to maintain the small amount of land we did have. Today, the Chilean government does recognise that there's historic debt with the Mapuche people. But the land they consider should be returned to us are very minimal amounts of land. Our people resisted, but now there's a whole new version of colonisation, to give it that name. Multinational companies. Because according to the law, we are owners of the land, but not the underlying land underneath, or the waterways, and there are minerals down there. The state has the capacity to expropriate you and change you to another crop. And if they need to set up a huge hydroelectric scheme or any kind of mining, they have the legal right to do it. This generated a new threat for our people and it got a lot of young people and leaders back to think about the fact that they have to struggle. I wanted to tell you that as a general explanation. I'd also like to tell you a bit about our cosmovision or worldview and our culture. As I told you, maintaining our language has been very difficult. I have friends of mine the same age as me who do speak Mapudungun, but in general terms it's the grandparents that have, they're the only ones that really have that skill. And studies show us that if we don't do something to reclaim our language, in 50 years it'll be gone. Here in the language is the wisdom of our ancestors and our relationship with spirituality. As Mapuche people, we don't see the earth as physical or material things. The forests and mountains. Because we believe that every area has a spirit. When you, when you kill 
When you destroy a given area, you kill that spirit called the yin. But that's where we get our strength, of course, from the mountains, from the rivers, from the volcanoes. I forgot to tell you, in Argentina, in the desert campaign, they killed all the machis who machis are spiritual leaders. They killed them all. And these days, they don't have any spiritual leaders. In Chile, we do have some machis. And they have a direct connection to our ancestors and our gods. We also have sacred places where we have ceremonies and of course where we bury our dead. Those sacred sites, the, the Chilean government doesn't understand them or doesn't want to see them and doesn't respect them. They have constructed hydroelectric schemes and totally flooded uh, cemeteries. They've planted pine trees and eucalypts in sacred sites and they've ripped down the, the forests from which the machis get our plants and medicinal plants. And that's the, why we struggle. To defend the land, the Mapu and Pachamama, uh, the Aymara people say that expression. We call it Nukemapu, but it's exactly the same concept, the Mother Earth. We need to defend our own autonomy and self-determination, which was taken away from us. Currently, the Chilean government will not allow us to make any decisions about our land, our families, our future. I wanted to show you where we're at right now as a people, what's our situation. These days there are a lot of communities that are really strongly convinced that they're going to reclaim land and find them for They live in limited areas of land. They live beside a huge landowner, extremely rich, wealthy person who owns hectares and hectares and hectares of land and they're squeezed into a little space. The, the grandfather of that landowning family knows that uh, that land was traditionally ours and the state recognises it. But they don't have the strength or political will to solve it. So our people decided to occupy that space. And that, of course, generates a oppression. Uh, jailing, killing our struggle as people who are fighting. The, what you see in that film is four of our leaders who are on hunger strike. It lasted over 100 days. They are being tried under anti-terror laws. The Chilean state wants to criminalise claims and demands that are civil and uh, political. This anti-terrorist law um, means that you are guilty and you have to prove that you're innocent. It was created, this anti-terrorist law, under the dictatorship of Pinochet to stop the struggle of people opposing the regime of Pinochet. This, this anti-terrorist law gives the Chilean government the right to have witnesses with their faces covered, so no one knows who they are. And the Chilean government pays people to be such witnesses and say whatever is appropriate to, for the government to point out. And usually the only evidence the government has to um, put our people in jail is evidence from such witnesses that are even known This anti-terrorist law also allows them to have people in jail for long periods even before any trial, and before they've been charged or tried for any just for preventive detention. These people who are now on the hunger strike were one year and three months in what's called preventive detention without even being charged. And the only evidence against them is uh, testimonials from people, other people who say this. That's why they started the hunger strike, because they are demanding a, a fair trial, an impartial. And these leaders are at the point of death. After uh, this uh, strong protest, uh, listen and say, okay, I don't put the anti-terrorist law, 
but this is not legal yet. And uh, three person down the protest, but one is in uh, in huelga de hambre hasta el momento. Still on a hunger strike. As this happened, the Mapuche people came together and started really showing solidarity. And the Mapuche movement got much stronger. Uh, there started to be uh, demonstrations in Temuco and Concepcion and Santiago of people really fighting. In solidarity with the people in prison and our people in general. What did the government do? They set up the hurricane, Operation Hurricane. What's that? They selected eight leaders from different movements and Mapuche organizations, arrested them and they're being tried on charges of illicit association with terrorist connotation. This operation was carried out by the ALI, which is Chilean um, Security Intelligence Organization. This was such a disgusting set of arrests and that the only evidence they had was conversations from WhatsApp. Anyone can do a setup like that and give conversations into WhatsApp and then say you did it. They are public figures, they're public people who are saying publicly, we are fighting for our land rights and our political rights. This new blow, this re new repressive, repressive blow from the Chilean government, in a newly, in, in a new fashion, criminalising our struggle, and um, because it's becoming stronger and the movement is gaining strength, it has, they want to criminalise it. The leaders who are in prison, in, uh, on a hunger strike and the relatives of these leaders, and that there's no going back and that we're going to continue this fight until we recover the ancestral land and rights of the Catalina Catreo and before her, Christy Lee Horswood, both speaking at the 2017 Indigenous and Grassroots Movement Solidarity Gathering held in Melbourne, Australia. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Women on the Line. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at womenontheline at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week. Yeah.